0: My name is Dave, I'm one of the elders here at Beacon. Our main pastor, Dane, is preaching today at one of our partner church plants. As we seek to multiply our faith, plant churches in Greater Boston, it's just a practical way for us to support them. A few years ago, I lived in a multi-family building in Watertown. This had actually been an upgrade from us, from an even smaller apartment, But as time went on, we began to realize that the landlord didn't really care that much about our experience as tenants. In the basement, there was a washer and dryer unit that stopped working. We called him up, basically no response, and I remember the sinking feeling in my heart when I reread my lease to see that he wasn't actually obligated to take care of that, despite it being in the advert for the apartment. And there were a whole variety of things like that. And As we got to know our neighbors, everybody sort of said the same thing. In fact, I was riding back from Logan Airport one day, and just as I was pulling up, my taxi driver, totally unprovoked, gave a spicy insult to my landlord. So as I was beginning to move out, I had an interesting opportunity. They had rented the apartment for April 1st. Now, my new apartment that I was going to move into started mid-March. So I had like a two-week gap where I was overlapping apartments. And my landlord asked me, hey, Dave, could, could we get in a few days early to do some fix-ups in the apartment? And I thought, wow, all right. Shoes on the other foot here. Well, what am I going to get in return? So I, I kind of pushed him. I, I, he, we had agreed that we could paint the walls as long as we painted it back white in the end. And so I said, I'll only let you in early if you release me from that. And I sent him a letter to that effect and everything. And it, it felt really good to kind of finally have that opportunity to kind of push him a little bit. Today we're going to be talking about some words of Jesus that speak to this topic of retaliation and of revenge. Our passage today is in Matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 42. In the Bibles provided on your seats, it's on page 810. As a church, we've been walking through what is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. We've titled this sermon series The Ways of the King. These are passages where Jesus outlines what does it mean to follow Him? What does it mean to be in His kingdom and to live out His commandments? So join me in reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, Jesus says, "'You have heard that it was said, "'An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. "'But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. "'But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, "'turn to him the other also. "'And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, "'let him have your cloak as well. "'And if anyone forces you to go one mile, "'go with him two miles.'" Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. As we walk through this passage, we're going to divide our time into three sections. First, we're going to talk about our tendency toward revenge. Then we're going to talk about how Jesus commands giving over revenge. And then lastly, we're going to cover giving to those in need. Let's talk first about our tendency toward revenge. Jesus, here in verse 38, he quotes a saying that would have been familiar to his audience: "An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." This is how Jesus had introduced a series of sections in Matthew chapter 5. He quotes back well-known sayings for the people of his day. Where is this saying coming from? Well, it actually is a quote from the Old Testament Mosaic Law, in a variety of places. It speaks about wanting the punishment to fit the crime. If you gouge out someone's eye, you can't just go uh, take revenge, gouge out two eyes, totally take over their village. No, the punishment needs to fit the crime, an eye for an eye. But we actually learn some interesting things as you dig into those, some of those passages in the Old Testament. So for example, in Deuteronomy 19, there's a section where it's talking about is someone bringing a false charge against someone else. And it has an interesting section there, it says, the judge shall inquire carefully as to the truthfulness of the witness. And only if the judge then finds that they're being untruthful, is that false witness going to receive a proportionate penalty. So this was not something, even in the Old Testament uh, ceremonial law, this was not something where if someone gouges out your eye, you can just go grab a stick and take out their eye. You have to come to the judges, they have to inquire carefully. It's, It's a judicial system. You also see structures in the Old Testament law where God is actually pushing against revenge. So here's one example. If you killed someone accidentally, um, we would call this in our day manslaughter, then what you were allowed to do was to flee to certain specific cities titled cities of refuge. And if you were in that city, then there are special protections where if, if the family members of that person you killed, they're coming for you, they're gonna be stopped at, that, at the gates of that city until your case can be properly investigated. If you actually were found to have committed murder, you're going to have to face capital punishment. If you were not, then you're free and, and you're gonna be protected. So there was actually guidance around preventing revenge. In fact, we see in Leviticus 19, 18, a direct command here. It says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we see, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, a consistent teaching that says, you can't just take the matters in your own hands and seek revenge. God is a God of mercy, of justice, of kindness, all throughout the Bible. But what was happening was, when you hear a phrase like, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, I even remember as a kid thinking that, like, okay. The Bible talks about this, (laughs) I'm getting my brother. Um, We use it as an excuse. And that was, that was true in Jesus' day. And it's true in our day. We, we can hear a phrase like that and, and begin to think, all right, this is a, a blank check for revenge. So Jesus is actually putting his finger on a human tendency for revenge. He's putting his finger on a misapplication, a misunderstanding of the Mosaic law. So I want to ask you, in your day, in our time, your life, where are you tempted to seek retaliation to people you know? Perhaps it's a family member. You feel like this person's been a thorn in your side for so long, and you just relish the opportunity. Maybe there's someday, some way you'll be able to have uh, the last word here. Maybe it's a relationship with someone. They invited all your friends to a party, left you out, they snubbed you. What are you going to do? Could be as simple as road interactions. I, I, uh, so when I come back, from states that are west of Massachusetts, I got to come back on the Mass Turnpike, and there's this Newton Watertown exit where, if there's traffic, you could be backed up for quite a period of time in the right-hand lane waiting for that exit. And right as you get up towards that exit, that's their little rabbit car that's been taking the left lane, just wants to pop in in front of you. How are you going to respond? Could be interactions with a boss, with a coworker, that you feel like is just pushing you around, and perhaps one day. They'll need something from you. So we see Jesus here having quoted the Old Testament saying, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and putting his finger on a human tendency, a human temptation toward revenge. So let's now see how Jesus speaks about this, how Jesus raises the bar for his disciples. He speaks about giving instead of revenge. Jesus says in verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. And then he gives three examples, practical, real-life situations where what it would look like to not resist one who is evil. I can unpack those three. So the idea of being slapped on the right cheek, it was kind of a cultural thing in that day where if you were, if you were a higher-ranking person, you really want to show your disdain for somebody, you Give them a slap. And we, you see this a couple of times in the Bible. And what Jesus is saying is, turn, let them slap, him, slap you with the other hand. Perhaps they slapped you with the back of the hand, turn the other cheek, let them give a real wallop on the other cheek. What would it mean to be sued for your tunic? Well, perhaps you were a poor person, you owed a debt, you'd fallen behind on that debt, and now they're, they're taking you to court. You need to pay up, uh, you're getting foreclosed on, you're running out of stuff. What do you have left? Well, I've got a tunic. It's an outer garment. It's would um, be kind of a thinner uh, outer garment. So give them, give them your suit for your tunic. And what Jesus is saying, give them your, your cloak as well. So the cloak was more of an inside garment. It would keep you warm. It would have been more valuable, more expensive. In the Old Testament law, there was regulations around the cloak. If you, if you required security from someone, and you took their cloak as security, you had to give it back before sundown because a a poor person might need that cloak to sleep in. So Jesus is saying, somebody just sued you for your tunic. Give them your cloak as well, something even more valuable. And what about this going one mile? Well, the land of Israel at that time was occupied by the Romans. Now, these these were pagans. They'd conquered quite a number of countries. They were not necessarily favorable and kind to those they conquered. And there was no exception with the Jewish people. And it, one of the things they might do is if a soldier was traveling from A to B, he would kind of inscript and enlist a couple locals, hey, help me carry some of my baggage for a while with me. And what Jesus is saying, well, go one mile, then offer to go further with these oppressive Romans. You could think of some of Jesus's commands, perhaps in our own lives, you could say, someone cuts you off on the road ridiculously, rudely, illegally, give them a kind wave, let another car in. Someone snubs you at your party, invite them to two parties. Boss wants you to work late, a whole week, um, totally unfairly, overtime, could you work a second week for him? What's going through your head when you hear these words of Jesus? If you're like me, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Jesus. I think this is a rhetorical device, right? You don't actually want us to not resist an evil person, do you? I mean, think about all those landlords out there who are misappropriating security deposits. Who's going to teach them that they can be sued for triple damages and they need to stop doing that? Think about those cars that are cutting you off. Who's going to teach them how to drive? That you can't just pop into the lane. You're going to have to wait to the next exit if you do that. We have a natural tendency to want justice. When someone wrongs us, we're thinking to ourselves, all right, if I don't take matters into my own hands here, how's the score going to be settled? This doesn't seem right, this doesn't seem fair. Jesus, where's the footnote? I thought there was something here that says we don't really have to do this in our everyday lives. Let's talk about this for a little bit. We have a natural longing for justice. And Romans twelve nineteen through 21 is a helpful parallel passage to this. Here Paul says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here, what Paul is saying is a a very similar thing to what Jesus said about revenge, But, but Paul brings in an extra piece. He talks about God is the one who will take ultimate vengeance. And that can give us comfort in our situations. The people who wrong us, the people who take advantage of us, who slight us, one day they will stand before God, and they're going to have to give an account. God is the one who will ultimately settle the score. And that longing for justice that we have points to God. There is also an appropriate role for the governing authorities. Also in the book of Romans, Paul speaks about the governing authorities. In Romans chapter 13, he says these governing authorities, he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So it is appropriate, if there's a crime that's been committed, it's appropriate to be able to report that to the governing authorities and to, and to seek appropriate criminal justice. And you saw that in the Old Testament as well. God had a, a special system for bringing out some level of justice on earth. We know it's going to be imperfect. I mean, you can't like Call the police for somebody who slights you. right? But there is there's, there's a, there's a time and a place to report a crime to the governing authorities. And a, and a similar thing, it, as we think about international conflicts, it can be appropriate to use military action to seek justice. And even in these areas, with, with criminal punishments and with military action, I do think this passage should, should hang out in the back of our minds. How can we think about mercy, kindness, even in those situations? But Jesus here, as the context of the passage, is primarily focused on your own personal interactions with people. But there's another issue with perhaps an unsettledness you might feel with this passage. If you're thinking, perhaps like I'm thinking, Jesus, where's the caveat? Where's the escape hatch here? And do I really need to act like this in my everyday life? There's kind of an implicit assumption there with, with that question, which is, I'm clean, and the Bible actually teaches us that's not the case. As Dylan spoke about earlier, all people have sinned against God. All of us are rightly deserving God's wrath against us for all the different things we've done wrong. As Jesus has been preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he's been speaking about anger, he's been speaking about lust, now he's speaking about retaliation. We can all think about times in our lives We've sinned against God, we've sinned against other people. None of us are actually clean. And if we really longed for justice, we really wanted justice enforced perfectly, well, it would hit us pretty quick. In fact, the Bible teaches that apart from Christ, the just penalty of our sins is even separation from God for all eternity. So we best not scream, I want justice right now, lest we recognize how it would come for us, Well, lest we recognize the way in which God is being merciful to us. Jesus lived out this command perfectly in his own life. As he was getting towards the end of his ministry, further ahead in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 26, Jesus had been ambushed by those who wanted to capture him, who wanted to kill him. One of his disciples tried to fight back with a sword. Jesus said, put your sword away. He healed healed the wound, and he gave himself up to be captured by these authorities to be mocked, to be spit upon, to be beaten, and eventually to die on a cross, not fighting against the evil, but accepting the unjust punishment he received to pay for our sins. So we see Jesus embodying this command to love your enemies, to be kind to those who are mean to you, to not take revenge in his own life. And what he's calling us is to follow him in this command. So if you're not a Christian today, if you're if you're still thinking about this, I would really challenge you with the person of Jesus. If you look throughout history, throughout the world, there've been many famous leaders who've said, "Come follow me and I'll help you win. I'm going to help you conquer. I'm going to take over all this land. I'm going to I'm going to win a victory." Jesus said something very different. Jesus said turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Give him your cloak as well. Following Jesus is is a radical departure from the natural way of things in our minds. And it really speaks to Jesus as different than all the different leaders, all the different moral teachers we've seen in the world. Jesus is unique. He's actually the son of God who came down to live a perfect life and to die, as we've mentioned, for you. So if you don't believe in Christ today, I would challenge you, with the person of Jesus shown in this passage and invite you to put your faith in him. So yes, Jesus does want us to live this out. And it, it, it's not always clear how exactly we do that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it later. There's, there, there can be some wisdom as we think through this, but this is not something we just dismiss and, and, and explain away. We really need to wrestle with this passage and say, How can I imitate Jesus in my interactions with people? How can I be like him? How can I follow his ways of giving over revenge? So we've seen this first, our tendency toward revenge. We've seen this radical command of Jesus to be giving instead of taking revenge. And now we're going to look at this last section where Jesus talks about giving to those in need. Verse 42, he says, Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What's your reaction to this passage? If you're like me, you might also be saying, all right, Jesus, where's the footnote? Uh, How much am I supposed to give? Uh, What if they ask me for like $1,000? What that does, it, it really puts a light on our heart What is is our attitude towards giving? What is our attitude towards someone in need? Are we quick to make an excuse? Are we quick to look for the footnote? Are we quick to look for the caveat? And there is some passages in the Bible that that talk about wise giving, wise stewardship. Acts chapter 6 speaks about the disciples and how they allocated money for widows. There were the Hellenistic widows, uh, which would have been a Greek background. There were the Jewish widows, and they weren't receiving equal distribution of the food from the church. And so the apostles appointed deacons to oversee that distribution. So there's some wisdom there. Paul talks about in in 1 Thessalonians, let him who is not willing to work, not eat. So there's, there's a time to sort of say, okay, how are we being wise about our giving? How are we helping people to develop towards financial self-sustainability. But I want us to, to wrestle with this command of Jesus and think about what is our default attitude when someone asks us for help. I'll give a couple anecdotes from my life. I remember going to the L. Rife Brook Parkway area. There's a CVS, there's a Chipotle, a few different shops there. And I had been there, I, I'd gone to the Chipotle, had some food, and I saw a woman sitting out there in front of CVS. And I thought, well, I, I, maybe I could like, give her a few bucks and, and have a nice conversation with her. And I was actually with my daughter, and I thought, well, maybe this could be nice for her to see as well, see me acting kindly to a person in need, having a kind conversation, giving some money. But I looked at my wallet, all I had was 20s. You get 20s out of the ATM, I did. all I just had was 20s. And I thought, well, I don't want to give a 20. Uh, I'm gonna go into Chipotle and see if I can change some money. And as you might have guessed, when I came back out, the woman was gone. And, and I thought in my heart, I missed an opportunity. My, my own sort of greed, the, the bounds that I was putting around what I might give perhaps impacted this woman to have missed out on a kind conversation or I perhaps could have even told her about Christ, blessed her day with a $20 bill, and I, and I wasn't willing to. I had another experience. I, was, I had my bike parked at Harvard Square. There was a guy who came up to me and said, hey, do you have any spare change? I was about to give him my standard line. I was like, oh, no, sorry, uh, and, uh, see you later. Um, but I was like, I'm literally preaching on this in three days. So I said, all right, here, here's a buck, and, and gave him an elbow tap. Now, I'm not saying you need to give money to people. There's, there's some wisdom there. That guy who, who was asking me for money, was smoking a cigarette, and he said it was for food. Was it actually for food? You could do something like go to the grocery store, get some gift cards for the grocery store, give those out instead. There's other ways we can be proactively giving, thinking about not just the people who approach you in the moment, but how can we as a church be, be generous and kind to those in need? How can you give to organizations that are helping? There's a whole variety of things we can do. But what Jesus' command is doing is really probing our hearts and saying, what's your default setting? When you hear this command, give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who borrows from you. What's your default setting? Is your default setting, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 no. Unless it's in this special way, at this special time, in this special moment. At Christmas, every year, I give $50 to the food pantry. Or is the default setting, wow, Jesus came. He lived a hard life. He died a sacrificial death for me. God loves me so much. He's given so much for me. Everything in my life is a gift from God. That $20 bill in my my wallet, it's from God. And how can I serve others in need? How can I live out this radical message of Jesus? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for his sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty, poverty might become rich. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, as Jesus is introducing this sermon, he says, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit, "'for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.'" Jesus is inviting us to come to God and admit our spiritual bankruptcy, to say, God, I'm I'm sinful. As you've been preaching all these different ways that I need to follow you, as you've been teaching the ways of the king to give instead of fighting back, to give to those who are in need, I'm sinful, I don't live up to it. And I'm preaching this sermon to myself as well. But what, what, what this passage is inviting us to do is to come to God and say, Yeah, I am poor in spirit. I need you. I need your gift in my life. I need your power to be able to follow you. So, we've seen today our human tendency toward revenge. We want to hear an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and get, a, get an allowance to take revenge. We've seen Jesus how he's taught giving over revenge. And we've seen Jesus' teaching here to give towards those in need, generosity towards those in need. As I think back on my interactions with that landlord I had in Watertown, and whether I should use it as an analogy today, I was really kind of wrestling with that. Was I just standing up for myself, trying to care for my family, trying to do the right thing, standing up for my rights, or was I seeking revenge? And I think that's the question you're going to be facing yourself as you think about your everyday interactions. I know in my heart, I certainly had a moment of gratitude, of happiness, when I thought to myself, finally, he's asking me for something. And it's, it's that heart that's really the core of this. And why I realize that this is a legitimate example to give. But you still are going to have to ask that question as you go through your life. Where am I being wise and appropriate, where am I taking revenge? And this is something where I would invite you to pray and come before God. I didn't pray about that with my landlord. If I would have got on my knees and said, Lord, help me love this guy. Help me be kind to him. Give me wisdom. Should I paint it back or should I ask him to to release us from that? I didn't do that. And so I would invite you, as you're facing difficult situations in your life, don't just make a snap decision based on how you're feeling. Really pray before God and say, Lord, how can I show love to this person who's wronged me? And invite fellow believers with you as well. Perhaps talk to a friend and say, this is what I'm going through. How, how can I show love to this person? Sh- am, I, am I wisely kind of protecting myself in this situation? Or am I really taking revenge? And it, it all, it's going to come back to a heart attitude, but it's more than a heart attitude. It's a heart attitude that has to express itself in actions. What Jesus was saying was not simply, when someone wrongs you, have a loving heart towards them and then find the quickest way to teach them a lesson. Jesus was saying, when someone wrongs you, have a loving heart towards them and find a way to be kind and to to be generous to them. And as as the Apostle Paul talked about, it can be a way to heap burning coals on them. We're going to see that more next week with loving our enemies. But sometimes an act of kindness will be reciprocated with even more harshness Sometimes an act of kindness can actually be a way to point someone to Christ and to help them see the wonder of Jesus. So let me pray for us, and then we'll continue our service. Lord God, we thank you for you coming down to earth. Lord, we thank you that you would love us so much to become a human, to live a hard life, and to give us these teachings, Lord. We thank you for this hard message today of loving those who harm us. Lord, I pray that you would help us examine our hearts. Where is our tendency toward revenge? Where is our tendency to think about how we're going to get people back for what they've done to us? And Lord, I pray that you would convict us of that. I pray, God, that we would be able to respond in kindness, in giving towards those who are harsh to us, Lord. Help us navigate all those different complexities, God, but help us to not use that as an excuse. Help us to really find a way to be truly generous to those who are harsh to us. Lord, I pray as well you give us generous hearts to those in need. Help us, Lord, to make our default setting be to help, to care, to look how we can go out of our way to bless those who are unfortunate, Lord. And we lift all these things to you in your name. Amen.